Hello, hello, and welcome to Teachers at a Crossroads. This is a podcast where teachers and educators inspire each other. They share stories, ideas, experiences about their lives, about moving away from that very, very stuck feeling of the crossroads. Tune in and be inspired. Welcome. My name's Kathy, and I'm your host. It's interesting, you come across people every now and then who just have such an incredibly deep, positive and bubbly personality. And our guest today, Shirley, is from China and she has one of the most positive outlooks that I've come across in a long while. In fact, we met Shirley a while back when we listened to different teachers talking about their experiences of World Teachers Day. And Shirley was one of those teachers and she contacted me again and said, oh, well, could I tell my story? And I was so excited because by the time I finished talking to her, I felt so positive and enthusiastic as well. And Shirley began life as an accountant, but found for various reasons, got pulled into teaching English, teaching Mandarin. Then she was translating for people in, in places like Uganda, can you believe? So I'll leave Shirley to tell you her story herself. Ha, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. And I no longer teach Mandarin, by the way. I stopped many years back. Very happy to be here. It's such a great honor and pleasure. And this is my first time to be on a live podcast. I'm more than thrilled to be here. It seems to me that you kind of fell into teaching, partly as an undergraduate in Malaysia, where you were working, where you were studying, but as a part-time, on a part-time basis to supplement your income and your daily living costs, you started teaching part-time. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? So when I was studying at university in Malaysia, I saw an advertisement of a local language teaching organization. So that was basically the prototype of Confucius Institute. And then I prepared a little bit. I tried to learn online what a lesson plan is. And then I went there for the interview. I delivered my demo. And surprisingly, I nailed the job. And they provided me with some pre-service training. And then I started teaching. My class was about six to eight students per class. And and they are from very mixed backgrounds from different countries. I remember people from EU countries, Southeast Asian countries. It was quite fun, you know, for a young student. I was quite young at that time to engage in this kind of job, have this opportunity to know their culture and their background. And we also participated in this intensive Royal Police program. It's a Mandarin training program organized by the Asian government. You were teaching Mandarin. At this point. Teaching Mandarin at that time. Oh, yes. Sorry. We taught pretty big classes, 40 policemen in the same class. Oh, wow. And yeah, it, it was quite fun, yeah, to have 40 policemen, you know, we, we teach them very specific language for them to use in their job. And then afterwards, some schoolmates, they knew that I was teaching English. As they all know that my school results are quite satisfactory. I have a good understanding of grammar, that kind of thing. So I started this small group tuition at home. And then later on, I've got a little bit of reputation. And then more students, by word of mouth, an institute also approached me. They said, could you please teach at our institute also on a part-time basis? Teach, I taught in, and then that was quite big class. Well, surprisingly, I had the highest attendance rate when I was teaching there. Well, you must have been one of the richest students studying at undergraduate level in Malaysia. <laughs> 
not really, not really. All the rich students would have gone to the UK or US, not Malaysia. <laughs> Malaysia was still quite affordable. And when I was teaching those students, I still thought that teaching was just a hobby. It was just a part-time job. It shouldn't be my future career. And then by the time I finished my studies, so I, I ought to find a future like permanent job instead of part-time basis teaching a bit here and there. So I, I decided to leave that institute and they threw me a farewell party, you know, and because I, they said, oh, Shirley is leaving. We, we wouldn't want her to leave, but there's nothing more we can do. Let's throw her a party. And the, then the school, they gave me a best compliment award. I was very flattered. And then uh, I stopped teaching. After that, I stopped. And I joined International Business Machine in Malaysia as a financial analyst. Right. Okay. Now that, that's interesting because that, that means you left your teaching practice. You can continue mm -hmm. to study and you shifted into accountancy. Yes, yes. Yes. So your undergraduate studies were accountancy. No, my no. undergraduate study was hotel management. So we've got. I missed yeah. that bit. So we've got hotel management, then, then accounting, accounting, mm -hmm. and you began to pursue an accountancy career. And eventually, what I, from what I understand, mm -hmm. you passed all the required fourteen papers in the top five percentile at your first attempt, which is a very, very rare thing. And I believe that decision to take up accountancy saw you move out of Malaysia and into Uganda. Yeah. Wow. So uh, actually, I finished all my papers in Malaysia and then I worked as the financial analyst for some time before I moved to Uganda, which was because of my ex-partner who was working in Uganda at that time. Then um, I followed him there because of love. So when I was in Uganda, I worked for NGOs. This is, that, that was the Uganda Zhejiang Chinese Chamber of Commerce. I worked as their deputy secretary general. And it was more or less like a PR job, you know, public relations. Yes. So I, I was the liaison between the local public sector, the government, and with the Chinese enterprises. And we acted as a bridge to connect the both sides. We yeah. provide the Chinese companies advice guidance and give them opportunities to cooperate, to work together with the local entities. And okay. that's what we did. And we also got very much engaged with all, all sorts of philanthropic work. For example, we donated to some HIV foundation, which was owned, set up by a church. Mm -hmm. And then we sponsored the local community with a well, a water well for wow. uh, a school for them to have clean water. And then we made various kinds of donations to many entities like schools and orphanages. So, and on one occasion, when particular Chinese business representative visited Uganda because he, he was there with a very big project and he was lucky enough to have the opportunity to meet with the president of Uganda. Right. So um, I was there at the meeting as the interpreter and Mr. President, Mr. Museveni, after the meeting, he asked me, oh, Shirley, where did you learn your English? You speak very good English. <laughs> so I felt over the moon and chatting uh, with the president president of Uganda, I should think so. And uh, I still got those photos and, you know, we were all over the newspaper. It was uh, quite a big story. Yeah. And uh, after that, I, I was very much far away 
from teaching at that time. And I did my first master's degree, which was in accounting with the University of London online program when I was in Uganda. So after I finished that, a friend who works for the UN, he recommended that I should also join the United Nations as a public servant. I said, well, it's interesting. I might as well try. I was told the recruitment process was very long. It could uh, last up to one or two years. And then I decided to. So I said to myself, why why not just go back home and stay for a year or two? Because I've never actually lived in my home city after I've grown up. So, so you left home quite young. When I finished high school. You must be considered very much a pioneer of your generation. Quite unique, yeah. I, I have to admit that my, my life path has been very different from many of my other fellows in China. Right, okay. So I, that's when I moved back to Chongqing, my home city. That was in 2018. This is the city. You sent me a video, which was just incredible. Um, oh. the, the, the city itself, I, I'm going to put the link into our podcast, into the information, because I think for people to see the city is quite something. And they call it the city that hides in the fog during the day, but comes to life at night. And it is a huge metropolis. Yes, it's so, a huge so tell us about going home to Chongqing. So although it's my home city, but everything felt very new for me. And uh, I worked for this local language teaching organization, which was owned by a friend and as the director of studies. And I told him upfront, I, I, I could only work here for a year or two at most because I've applied jobs in the United Nations and I might <laughs> leave at any time. And <laughs> yeah, it's all right. As long as, yeah, you, you can do the teaching job whilst you are still here. I said, all right, then this organization was, well, not that big. We only had over 200 students right. and most of them aged from um, 7 to 18. So primary school and right. secondary school. Right. K, okay. Yeah, K-12. That, that's what you call yeah. it. Kindergarten yeah. to all the way up to 12th grade, right? Yeah. And, um, and my job duties include teaching, obviously, and supervising yeah. other teachers, providing training sessions to them and then I also you know I dealt a lot with the parents yeah whenever there's anything any unsolved issue they will say okay director of studies you go you got pushed forward Yes, yes, yes. And um, I, I also did quite a number of demo classes to do that kind of like marketing thing to right. attract more students right. using, okay. using my unique background. And that's when I realized I actually got a passion for teaching because right. what surprised me was the, the impact, the huge impact that I had on many of my students. Right. They were amazed by my unique experience. Right. It was very eye-opening for them. They've mm. never seen a teacher like me who shares the common, you know, kind of experience. Right. And I felt this kind of fulfillment and satisfaction, which mm -hmm. is very much fulfilling. I loved my job every single day. And in uh, 2019, uh, I went to London to attend my graduation ceremony from that accounting master's but you still haven't even awarded your accounting. You've passed. Yes, yeah, I still. Oh my goodness. And um, then at the ceremony itself, I saw a silver-haired graduate walking on the stage to be awarded a master's degree. And I was shocked, you know. Then the idea 
The idea of were you shocked because they hadn't dyed their hair or because they're an older, older person? Because of his age, he, he was actually at least in his seventies. I would wow. say. Goodness me, it's what you call a mature learner. Extraordinary. So we we all stood up and clapped for him. That was really something. And um, then the idea of studying another master's degree, virgin, from that moment onwards, I said to myself, I was only in my mid-thirties, so I should be brave enough to pursue my dreams. And uh, then I've always yearned to be a qualified teacher since I started this DOS job, Director of Studies job. Then that was the time when I decided to study MA TESOL in the UK. You stayed in the UK and went on to do your MA TESOL. And where did you do that? Uh, in the University of Nottingham. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Now I remember because, of course, we were there at the same time. But I was just yeah. working with the pre-session or international students coming in. And you uh -huh. were already on your program. You didn't need any yeah, pre-session. Yeah, I, I didn't do any pre-session yeah. or English. No, no you didn't no. need to. No, no, no. So I was in Nottingham in September 2019. Do you enjoy it? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Very much so. It was quite hectic, I would say, because <laughs> on top of my student role, I still had my teaching role. I was right. still teaching oh, some students online. Oh, online. Into China. Online, yes. Yeah. Back home. Back home. Oh. Yeah. My, my, oh, so uh, I got up very early uh, on the weekends, four mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning, Ooh. because of the time difference. Yes. So, uh, and then uh, as a mature student, uh, I really I participated in all kinds of activities. I was the class representative, and right. um, I need to attend all kinds of meetings organized right. by the university. You know. Right. Right. Okay. So you had a very very full life. Oh yes, yes, and being the only Chinese there. At the right. meeting, surrounded by all, uh, okay, there are department heads, school heads, and professors from all departments as well. Right. And right. I, I felt like um, I, I practiced IELTS listening or TOEFL listening for two hours, you know, <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> of course. When you finished your TESOL, did you go on to take your English language teaching qualification, the CELTA? Oh, yes, yes. I went on with my pursuit of CELTA, Cambridge right. CELTA. So you've got and a an MA, you've got um, an MA in accountancy, an MA in TESOL, and now you're going, now you're taking the CELTA, or you've took the CELTA then. Yes. Last grade? Uh, I got passed with B. Was that a surprise? I just finished my dissertation at the university, so I was very exhausted. Let me tell you, let me tell you, of all the test takers that take the CELTA, 15% worldwide get a B grade. So you did extremely well to get that, and I think it's something like 8% get an A grade. So maybe had you not just finished your dissertation, you might just scrape through for that A. If I knew that earlier, I should have worked harder to be that <laughs> 8%. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get the impression that you like to challenge yourself. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe because um, since I was young, I, I've always been the good student and I, I did everything from young age until, well, when I got older. I, I don't think I've ever failed any paper or any exam. Oh my gosh. Gosh. No, never. I, I think I'm going to fail. I'm not going to take it. It's simple. <laughs> Let me just say, after all that, you went back to Chongqing mm -hmm. and I remember you telling me when we had our first discussions that you described yourself as a little candle. And mm -hmm. what, what specifically did you mean by that? 
So what I meant was I'd like to be the little candle to light up my students who are other little candles so that they can give this the brightness to a wider audience and eventually light up the whole world. <laughs> and miraculous could happen, right? Right, so absolutely. <laughs> To inspire them and in the hope that they can inspire other people as well. Right. Okay. That's that's amazing. So, I I mean, you, you strike me so much as somebody with a very vibrant life force, a very positive attitude. And I'm sure that, that this can not help but rub off on your students. Who do you teach these days now bringing us into the present moment? So now I, I teach mainly secondary school students and um, some of those uh, are taking the IELTS exam and they yes. are doing a brilliant job. And, you know, the highest one got seven at the age of 16. So, oh, wow. That's very yes. good. Because the yes. average internationally is about 5.7. So you are yeah. well, you're just way above the average. And this is your own business. This is your own freelance business. that you're Yes, making. yes. So Excellent. I can enjoy the freedom and I can arrange the time as I would like to. And I can pass on the positive mindset of mine and to, to yes. the students. And okay. I can teach them much more beyond English itself, you know, in right. class. Right. Yeah. So you share with them some of your your travels and and, and your skydiving and oh yes, uh, uh, besides skydiving, I'm also a certified scuba diver. Wow, is there any end to your talents? <laughs> So um, I'd like to try out new things and, and I really find this freelance job rewarding because freelance feels like everything is a box of chocolate. It's like a, a box of description. chocolate. Lovely. Yes, you never know what you are going to get next, who you are going to bump into and what kind of students, you know, what are their needs and what kind of impact you can have on them. Everything is so amazing, I feel like. That's amazing. That's absolutely brilliant. So I, I would imagine there are many more adventures waiting for you just around the corner, Shirley. And, yeah. and kind of like, do you have anything specific that you're kind of thinking about for your tomorrow or in the near future, not so distant future? Well, I'm not that sure at the moment um, because uh, I will see what, what can happen next year because now you know the pandemic. We have a very fluid, a zero COVID policy. It's not a stringent one, it's fluid, but right. still, it's quite um, strict compared right. with what you guys are having at the moment. Right. Yes, so yes. Um, I would say being a freelancer at the moment would be the best choice because right. I longer need to bear all the fixed costs, you know, the labor yes. costs, that sort yes, of thing, yes, if I yes. want to expand. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'll wait and see what will be unfold next year. And yes. um, hopefully things will turn out to be positive. Yeah. Law so, of attractions. Law of attractions. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> And I would imagine you attract plenty of good stuff into your life. So uh, what, I, would you, with your freelance business, you're talking about fixed costs like employing staff if you expand and things like that. Is that something you would have in your view for maybe a little bit down the road to have a few oh, yes. premises? Yes, definitely. And would you employ me so I can come and... Uh, I can't afford, afford that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't afford you. I would love to know, but... The... <laughs> <laughs> I just love to come to Chongqing. It's a, it looks like an amazing city. It really oh, you're most welcome to visit Chongqing. <laughs> I would bring you to experience the 1,000 different types of food out there. 
<laughs> it got lessons by Malaysia, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a version of Malaysia. <laughs> so, so, Shirley, thank you so much for, for meeting with us and taking the time because I know our time zone differences are, are quite extreme. I have no doubt that whatever you turn your hand to, it will be successful. When I told my students, oh, I'm going to be interviewed by this podcast website from the UK, they were like, oh my God, Oh, well, did you make sign on and, and have a listen to it as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure they do. <laughs> good. Um, to practice their listening. Absolutely. That's a really good, good reason.